at one point, I really did reach burnout and ended up in a psychiatrist's office. Wellness can be synonymous with needing to lead a perfect life and having everything sorted, but all of us are works in progress. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work that matters. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. In this final episode of 2019, my guest is going to discuss how she created a dual career as a psychotherapist and media brand founder. We'll discuss the challenges of wearing different hats in your career and the perspectives you can gain from losses. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll talk about how even the people who seem to have it all figured out are often wrestling with their own struggles. Hello from San Francisco. I'm back here in the Bay Area visiting some friends, and tomorrow I'm heading over to Las Vegas to visit my mom. But I did want to get one more career relaunch episode out the door, which is going to be the final one of 2019. Today I'm speaking with Sophie Scott, the founder and editor-in-chief of Balance, leading the award-winning high-growth media and lifestyle brand into the top tier of UK publications. She also regularly advises brands on go-to-market strategies and delivers wellness workshops for the likes of L'Oreal, Mediacom, and Accenture. She's coached and mentored at every level, from students to Fortune 500 CEOs, and has completed her five-year training in psychotherapy at the Center for Counseling and Psychotherapy Education. Now, I actually stumbled upon my first Balance magazine a couple years ago in a hotel lobby in London and was really impressed with the digestible content that I found very relatable. For example, if you ever struggled to make sense of the world of therapy, I definitely recommend you check out the May 2018 edition of Balance that has one of the best explanations I've ever seen on the various forms of therapy. I had the privilege of also meeting Sophie face-to-face last month after we recorded this chat, which I don't always get to do with all my guests, and I found her to be an especially honest and transparent person, which is always refreshing, especially in a world where people are often trying to posture or make a certain impression. I really enjoyed hanging out with her and chatting about both of our careers, and we had a really nice conversation about wearing different professional hats, managing your own well-being, and of course, maintaining balance in your work and life. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 69. Sophie spoke with me from London. Good morning, Sophie. Good to talk with you again, and welcome to Career Relaunch. Thanks so much, Joseph, for having me and for asking me to do this. So I know, having followed you on social media, that you have been very busy lately with a lot of different things in your life and your career. And I was wondering if you could just start by telling me about what's been keeping you most busy in your career and your life recently. Absolutely. So I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Balance, which is a UK-based media and lifestyle brand, very much focused on wellness. So our mission is to make wellness accessible to mainstream audiences. We had our latest issue out last week and a series of events that we ran in conjunction with Fora, which is a big co-working space over in the UK. So we had our wellness week, we had podcast lives, 
we did a podcast live with Emily Sandy. We did influencer breakfasts. We had sort of events every day. So um, it was lots of fun. You know, the business is evolving. We've just brought on a CEO, which is quite a big step for us, actually, and something that I feel very excited about, not just for the business and helping the business to scale up, but also on a personal level for me to now slightly be able to step back from running the business and focus more on the brand. I've also had my um, psychotherapy work as well that I um, juggle on a Tuesday. So you're busy with the magazine. You're also are running your own psychotherapy practice once a week. Just talking about the magazine briefly, and we're going to come back to the magazine in a moment. I picked up my first copy of Balance in a hotel lobby in London, I remember, a couple years ago. And it's got a very cool lifestyle take on this idea of wellness. But for those who are not familiar with Balance, can you just give a sampling of the types of topics you cover and the angle that you have the magazine take? So the first thing is we are called Balance. So we try not to be preachy in any way. None of us are perfect. So our philosophy is do your best, live well, live your life to the full. Everybody has to find their own sense of well-being. We cover mental health a lot, nutrition, workout plans, very much work-life balance and travel as well, looking at kind of sustainable travel and also spa destinations, guilt-free travel. So kind of combining new experiences with philanthropic endeavors. I suppose it's all the main areas that you would see across any magazine. The difference is the lens that we look through. Well, this is a show a little bit about wellness. And at the same time, it's about career evolution and career change and trying to make career choices that allow you to have a life that is full of wellness and fulfillment. I know you haven't always been a psychotherapist and the founder of Balance Magazine. Can you take me back to the days when you were involved in the world of film? I'd love to hear a little bit about that chapter of your career, and then we can move forward and talk about your own career evolution and hear a little bit more about how you founded Balance and also how you started your own psychotherapy practice. But let's start at the very beginning. I've definitely not had a linear process, a linear journey, but I think actually I've realized that that's more normal than I thought. So I started off, I went to a pretty academic girls' school and decided of my own volition that I wanted to go to drama school, which I think they were none too pleased about. And I took myself off there for a few years and actually went into the world of acting originally, which I suppose had been a childhood dream, but also very much linked to my mum, who I lost when I was a teenager. And I think I was probably playing out something that she would have really wished for herself. So I went to drama school and, and I went into acting for a couple of years, but I actually soon realized that I didn't derive so much fulfillment simply from performing. I felt a little bit like a kind of prop in many ways. And what I really loved was actually writing scripts and screenplays. And I also loved editing them. My sister had set up a film production company called Fahrenheit Films. And I began working with her very, very closely in script development I also was working freelance for different film companies in the UK and also spent some time over in the States. The film world is an incredible world, but it's also a world of make-believe. Unless you have very good people around you, it can get you unstuck. 
and you end up thinking that you're going to have meetings that are going to change your life and and things are promised to you, etc. And they don't necessarily always follow through. That led me actually to deciding that I wanted a more grounded and psychological approach to things. I decided to train and to do a foundation course in counseling and psychotherapy. And I'd also done quite a lot of coaching over the years, more so on the kind of presentation skills front. And what I realized from that was that regardless of your background and your situation, what people really wanted was someone to listen to them and fundamentally counsel them and help them to get over certain restrictions, barriers that they had in their own life that were kind of prohibiting their confidence. So anyway, I came back from Los Angeles and decided, okay, I want to train in counseling, but completely fell in love with it and decided to go on and do the full five-year training. So you just walked away from the original idea of becoming an actress or becoming a screenwriter and came back here and, and pretty quickly pivoted into the world of counseling? Certainly for the first year or so, I still very much had a foot in the film world. So I was still working in script development. At that point, I was really enjoying my counseling training. I was starting to become quite inspired about the world of personal development. And actually, that's when balance started to slowly but surely take fruition in my mind. So I wouldn't say that there was a kind of clear stop. There wasn't one definitive moment where I made the decision. I think for a while, I was juggling to the best of my ability, a couple of these different things. And then through that process, was able to make the best decision for my life. Now, I've been trying to figure out the best time to ask you about this. And this feels like Mm. the right moment to ask you about something that you alluded to briefly earlier. You said you lost your mother when you were a teenager. And I think when we spoke before, you said at the age of 14. Before we get into your transition into becoming a psychotherapist and the rest of your career, I'd love to just take a moment and talk about that. I was wondering if you could take me back to the moment in your life when that happened and explain exactly how things played out at that moment for you. As you said, I was 14. I was at this private or girls school. And my mum had been ill on and off since I was very young, since I was five. She was diagnosed with cancer and went into remission for years. And we knew that it was getting very serious. The cancer had moved into her liver and her bones. And we sort of at that point knew that it would be a matter of months, if not weeks. And my sister, to whom I'm incredibly close, who is a decade older than me, said, just go and see a counsellor. It ended up being a massively defining thing for me because, of course, now I've gone on to become a psychotherapist myself. But also the particular strain of psychotherapy, which she practised, was the one that I've ended up pursuing, which is an integrative transpersonal psychosynthesis approach, very much looking at a person as a whole, I suppose inspired by what's that roomy quote? The wound is where the light enters you. And I Mm. suppose that's been the basis of my own experience as someone experiencing therapy, but also giving therapy. And through that process, I was able to 
process the huge loss that I'd experienced, which I think never leaves you. So it's very much an ongoing process, but it also helped me to very much grow into the person that I am. So yes, I'd say that losing my mum has been my greatest curse, but also a blessing in, in so many ways, as strange as that may sound. I know this must be tough, but can you describe in words exactly what impact losing your mother so early on in your life has had on your outlook and perspectives? It may have taken away some of my fear. I mean, I would say naturally I can be quite an anxious person, but I've never let that hold me back in terms of the way that I lead my life. So actually it's made me take risks I think a lot more than perhaps the next person. And also, you know, without going into it too much, my mum, I think, wasn't fulfilled in her life, in her career. So I have been very committed to living my purpose. And of course, that's an ongoing thing that changes all the time. Your purpose isn't fixed. But very much um, having a kind of self-actualizing approach to life, which is that I want to lead my best life and be as true to myself as possible because it could all be over quick. It must be so hard to lose somebody so important to you so early in life. And at the same time, it, it must instill into you so much perspective that you just wouldn't have otherwise, I guess, if you hadn't mm. gone through that. So thank you for sharing Absolutely. that. I'd like to go back to your career, because I think this does relate to another question I was going to ask you, which was how you ultimately decided to pursue a full career as a psychotherapist. And it sounds like some of the seeds may have been planted from a very early age. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to say I don't do it as a full-time career. You know, my training and everything has taken a lot longer and it took a lot longer than I would have hoped because at the same time I was setting up balance. Right. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no small feat. Right. Right. But I certainly feel that it formed the basis of balance. So although I, I wear very different hats between the different roles, and maybe that's something that we can go on to in a bit, fundamentally, I think that they go hand in hand. I don't terribly see one as starting and one as ending. I wouldn't say that there was that definitive moment in my life where I thought, right, this is what I want to do. I mean, these days, I think it's quite normal not to just have one career or one job. Most of us have dual careers or even triad careers, which give us a kind of greater sense of balance and fulfillment. And perhaps that means that you don't put all your eggs in one basket, at least not to begin with. I'm very curious about this exact point that I think you're making about what some people describe as a portfolio career or where you have multiple interests. How do these two worlds coexist for you? Because I know you, you only see clients once a week and you're dedicating quite a bit of your time to running balance. I'm just speculating, but I'd imagine that you have to show up very differently when you show up in front of a, a patient or a client versus your team at balance. Can you just explain how the two coexist for you and, and how well that, that works for you? I think it's something I'm still navigating. I definitely don't feel that I have got the magic formula for that yet. Actually, it's been a bit of a 
personal struggle at times for me. And it's made me question my own boundaries and ethics around this, because certainly the hat that you wear as a therapist when you're with clients is different to the one that you wear, especially with your team. I'm hoping that what it does give me is a genuine interest and capability and capacity to listen to people and really try and support team members when I know that they're going through their own struggles. I can empathize. I have the ability to put myself in other people's shoes quite easily. So I think from that perspective, it's been tremendously useful. Learning about certain theories and principles such as projection and transference has been very useful because, of course, when you are boss lady, so to speak, Mm -hmm. there are all sorts of projections that you get, which is very different to, I think, when you're just part of the team. And I like to think of myself as just part of the team, but the reality is I think I'm seen as, you know, the founder and, and the director. And so that's a difficult one, actually. And it means that you have to make difficult decisions as well. You know, how much you may wish to share with your team is a, is a real question. And, and we try and be more transparent at balance rather than less transparent. There does need to be, I think, a limit to that because you do bear the brunt of quite a lot of stress when you're running something and you can't always let that show. So in that way, I've learned some kind of really good skills being poker faced, I suppose, from being a therapist and taking that into the world of business can be quite useful. How much of some of the things that you do in therapy do you feel are also in line with the tips that you eventually share in your publication in balance? I would say very aligned, actually. And one of my greatest pleasures has been commissioning other therapists, psychologists, coaches that I really rate, that I've personally kind of learned from and getting them to write for balance. So I suppose that's what I mean when I say it's really underpinned what balance's mission is. So absolutely, it's a core part of what we write about. So let's talk a little bit more about balance, because I know that you're spending quite a bit of your time on the magazine, although it sounds like you're now handing off some of the responsibilities that you've been in charge of. So you're, you're doing some psychotherapy. You're finding that some of the tools can be useful to a broader audience. How exactly did you go about creating the magazine? Because I'd imagine uh, there are a lot of people out there who think they want to start a magazine, but it involves so many different things that probably aren't so obvious on the surface. So I'd just be interested to hear about the actual creation and the inception of the magazine. I was, as I said, sort of benefiting from a lot of learnings at that time, a lot of theories, meeting amazing experts and having really fascinating conversations. And I thought, wow, like I reckon a lot of people would be interested in this type of content, in being involved in this kind of conversations. And actually, where would they go to get such a thing? And I remember there was a morning where I was going onto the tube and I was looking around me and thinking how different that world seems to the world that I had experienced the night before when I was at college and we were talking about psychology and 
the idea of kind of awakening. And on the tube, people <laughs> tend to look kind of really disconnected and really dead, almost yeah, like a And we can all fall into that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's miserable sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, and I was looking and I was seeing what they were reading. And the vast majority of people were reading some of the free newspapers that you get. But a lot of the headlines are kind of really fear-mongering. And I wouldn't say a very positive affirmations for people. They definitely focus much more on the shadow on the dark side of the world as opposed to trying to give people a sense of hope or even a sense of perspective. So I thought, how amazing if what I'm learning and some of the experts that I'm speaking to could actually contribute to a publication of our own that was free, that was actually going to really be of value to people and may help them to connect not just to one another, but more so to themselves. So came up with this idea originally of a free newspaper, so an alternative newspaper for London, and brainstormed names. At the time, I knew somebody who was heavily involved in the distribution side of City AM, which is kind of London's business newspaper, and basically managed to get pretty much free distribution across London outside the underground stations, you know, in the, oh, those wow. sort of boxes. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with those boxes. Yeah, everybody, so like had, literally thousands of people, millions, maybe people are yeah. passing by those spots. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, we had much smaller circulation at that time, but I felt very proud actually of the fact that I could see that the issues were, were going and I was getting a lot of very positive feedback from readers, but also from brands who were saying things like, oh, we'd love to be involved in this, but how big is your circulation? Or if you were to do it a bit bigger, we'd love to back you, we'd love to advertise. Or actually, Planet Organic said, you know, we'd love to stock your magazine or newspaper, let us know when it's ready. So I shot the concept around and ended up going into business with a publishing house who had been around for sort of 30 years or so, family-based publishing house, and they're still my business partners today. And we relaunched it as a magazine, went out there on the hustle to get kind of advertising because all of our, our revenue comes from, from brands and from sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And together with some investment from the publishing house, we managed to bankroll the first issue or so. And really from there on in, it's been a case of, building a a brand, building a loyal customer base and a team to serve that. It happened organically, but it was definitely part of my master plan as well. (laughs) So that's the business side of it. I'm also curious about what it's been like for you to start your own magazine, having gone through all that hustle and reaching out to different people you you knew and, and gaining the distribution. I'd be really interested to hear about the impact that this journey has had on your life as a whole. It's been, by and large, very positive. I have got to live out a lot of dreams and fantasies that I've had. And I feel tremendously proud every time I, let's say, get on the underground and see somebody reading a copy of Balance or people that come along to our events and and tell us how much it means to them being part of a community of like-minded individuals. On the other hand, it's been an incredible amount of hard work. You know, when you sort of starting up from the bottom, I entered an industry that actually I hadn't really been a part of in terms of publishing. You know, I'd always been 
in the media, but more on the kind of production side of things. So I've had a lot of learning to do. And there's definitely been a lot of needing to prove myself. And I think that's not just based on being a newbie to the industry, but also being a woman, sadly, and a youngish woman, although I think I probably look younger than I am. (laughs) So there's been quite a lot of needing to prove myself, which has been pretty challenging at times, but has also given me a kind of real fire in my belly. However, in terms of my own health and well-being, that's definitely suffered at times, which I suppose is the ultimate irony. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about that because I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the challenges that you've faced trying to balance it all. Not only the psychotherapy practice with running a, a media company, but also what I would imagine is the ongoing hustle that is required whenever you're trying to create and, and build something and scale it. At one point, I really did reach burnout and ended up in a psychiatrist's office in tears, begging him for help, anti-anxiety medication. I had some CBT therapy, which really helped as well, actually, because I've obviously been in in a form of psychotherapy for years and years, which is works, I suppose, on much, perhaps on a much deeper level. But I needed some tools day to day to help me navigate the kind of sheer busyness of my life and feeling slightly pulled from pillar to post. And I think it is really important to talk about this, and especially as somebody who works in wellness. I think wellness can be kind of synonymous with needing to lead a perfect life and having everything sorted. But that's obviously far from the case. And actually, it's people that are struggling and trying to fit lots in that actually really need to be honest and focus on their wellness, perhaps more than the next person. I'm quite passionate about focusing on you know, mental health as a core tenant to well-being and saying that, you know, hey, the people on Instagram, those influencers, those wellness authors, they're also just trying to figure things out. It's just that maybe they have benefited from certain training courses and education and experiences in their life that give them the stature and the confidence to go out there and share what they've learned. But all of us are works in progress. Yeah. In the work that I do, I've actually found some similar themes, Sophie, where things are not always as they seem on the surface. Like on the surface, it, it may seem like, hey... Balance magazine, it's taking off, it's everybody's heard about it. And, and at the same time, there's a lot of challenges that go on behind the scenes. And I found that with a lot of people, it seems like they've got it all figured out. But actually, if you dig a little bit, everybody's got something going on that they may not be either very open about or just that people just don't know about. And it always strikes me, you know, how many companies, whether they are startups, scale ups, or kind of big established companies, behind closed doors, it's kind of always a bit of a shit show. (laughs) You know, um, (laughs) there are processes that aren't as neatly tied up as they should be. There's conflict there, um, conflict of vision and of purpose. So I think it's really important that we can just be more kind of honest about that and say that we're, we're all trying to do our best. I definitely think, though, that naivety can be a gift. I think in particularly when people are starting a new career, you know, you do often feel a bit like a fish out of water. You know, I don't know anything. I'm having to start from the bottom up. But on the other hand, you are also 
not having to overcome years of kind of preconceived ideas about an industry or about ways of working. And I think that's also really important to say that, that actually you can build something much more in the vein of how you may want to build a career or a company because you're not coming at it with a lot of history. That is a great segue, Sophie, into a couple of the last things I was hoping to talk with you about before we wrap up here, which are just some of the things you've learned along the way of your very interesting career journey. And I think you just alluded to this, this naivete. And I'm curious, what's something that you didn't think would be tough, but has been tough about either running your own psychotherapy practice or starting your own magazine or balancing both? I have toughened up. I've had to toughen up quite a bit. And I think the process of getting there has been more difficult than I would have anticipated. So in terms of, you know, letting people go when they're not a cultural fit for the company or actually just in terms of, you know, the actual output, that's been really tough for me. But it's also been tremendous learning in terms of things that I wish I'd have I'd have known. I wish I'd have known that I, I wasn't a freak for wanting to change careers and that I wasn't alone. And that actually, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was less usual. But these days, it's very typical. I mean, I think they say that you should prepare yourself for four to five careers in your lifetime. And actually, if you think of your life in chunks, as opposed to as a whole, it certainly makes it less stressful. So that's very much something that I try to do these days. What about when you think back to your own life journey of losing your mother early on to struggling with anxiety at moments to eventually becoming a psychotherapist yourself and ultimately becoming a media entrepreneur? What's something that you've learned about yourself along the way? I have learned that I'm a lot more resilient than I realize, but also that I'm a lot more flexible and open. And I think that flexibility is really key. I always say I'm a generalist rather than a specialist, but actually that there's tremendous strength in that, in having those kind of transferable skills and being able to spot opportunities, join dots. So I'd say being a quick learner and being flexible and being adaptable. And I think that that probably does go right back to losing my mom and having to adapt to no longer being part of a kind of 2.4 family, which I was really for the first 14 years of my life, as eccentric as my family was, it was, um, you know, it was relatively conventional at the same time. I've proven my adaptability to myself. And I can't stress enough how important I actually do think that is as a skill when we hire people, it's something that I really look out for because obviously in a startup, you don't just do one role. It's often all hands on deck. You have to be flexible, willing to learn, throw yourself in on something new. We've got to keep going, working things out, being flexible, changing with the times, changing with our evolving needs because we're not fixed entities. It's just about making that promise to yourself that actually I'm going to keep using purpose as my primary motivator and checking in if at any point that gets lost. 
Yeah, that's a great tip just to keep that as your North Star and your compass when you're right. dealing with some tough times. I guess last question for you, because I know you've alluded to this a couple of times, Sophie, was on this topic of burnout. I know that you mentioned you went through a period where you were feeling some burnout. What do you feel was one of the most important steps that you took to manage that more effectively? I know it sounds really silly, but I went on holiday. Um, at that point, I <laughs> at that point I could only go away. I think it was for a week, but I literally just disappeared. You know, one of my favorite lines is, "When you're tired, learn to rest, not to quit." So I would say that's been a massive learning for me. When you are burnt out, it's probably not a time to make a decision. It's a time to stop and to ask for support. And I'm lucky I have a fantastic support network around me. I would really encourage people to go to their GP before it's too late. Spot the warning signs as well. Things like headaches, aches and pains, struggling with sleep, blurred vision, all of these kind of loss of appetite, all of these things are, you know, just to check in with yourself and notice that and then take action, tell a friend, tell your GP. And if you can get some help, get some therapy. There are also plenty of amazing tools out there that are free. I use things like Thought Diary as an app, which basically is a CBT based app. And it helps you to work through your problem yourself, um, gain perspective and argue with any core beliefs that may be limiting you at that point. But yeah, I'd say the main thing is take some time out and don't make any any quick decisions. All right. Well, if people want to learn more about you, Sophie, or Balance Magazine, or even uncover some tools that you just mentioned to maintain a good balance and wellness in their own lives, where can they go to learn more? You can go to our website, which is www.balance.media. Also, please follow us across social at balanceldn. So at Balance London. And if you want to personally follow me, although I'm not not as good as at posting on my own personal channels as um <laughs> as across balances, but um it's at sophie.b.scott. And hopefully you can find some of our content really valuable and insightful. All right. Well, Thank you so much, Sophie, for telling us more about your life as a psychotherapist and magazine founder and sharing your personal story with us. And most of all, talking about how you maintain balance in your own life and career. So best of luck with trying. balance. You're trying, <laughs> <laughs> doing your best to do that. Right? It's an ongoing struggle for all of us, I can tell right. you. Yeah. So best of luck with balance, your psychotherapy practice and everything else you have going on in your life. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Joseph. So I hope you heard some useful insights from Sophie about recognizing when you need a break, reconnecting with your purpose if you're feeling lost, and realizing that wanting to relaunch your career is perfectly normal. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about how a person's public image doesn't always tell the full story of what's going on behind the scenes. Before we get to today's mental fuel, I wanted to thank Brand Yourself for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Brand Yourself offers simple tools and services to help control what people find when they Google you. To clean up, protect, and improve how you look online, visit brandyourself.com and use promo code RELAUNCH to get 50% off a premium membership. 
This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. For today's Mental Fuel, which is going to be a little bit longer because it's the last one for the year, I wanted to revisit one of the things that Sophie said about all of us being works in progress. And this idea that people often have to put on a brave public face, even though they're dealing with their fair share of personal struggles behind the scenes. And this got me thinking about how many of us, including me, either because of the work we do or the image we're trying to maintain, may feel a pressure to portray ourselves a certain way publicly. And in the age of social media, even when you know that people are normally sharing the positive highlight reel of their lives, it's still hard not to just assume that all those happy snapshots represent their entire life experience as a whole. Or you may see a LinkedIn update from a former colleague who's just landed a big promotion, or a young entrepreneur featured in Forbes or Fast Company, and you just assume that they've got their dream jobs or are pursuing their passions. And I don't know about you, but when I hear success stories, I'm happy for those people, but I also find myself creating a bit of a mental split screen with my own life, which often results in me feeling not as great about myself, especially when I don't feel like I've reached that same level of at least stereotypical success in my own career. What I try to remind myself when I engage in these sorts of tempting comparisons is that things aren't always what they seem on the surface. Now, I'm sure there are people out there who are living the dream and have everything they want in their lives and careers, but I can think of way more examples of people I thought had the perfect career or perfect life, only to eventually find out that they were struggling with insecurities, major losses, or even personal tragedies that I would have never imagined were there based on how they portrayed themselves publicly. Now, in the spirit of transparency, I'll just go ahead and use myself as an example. I also have plenty of issues I struggle with that I don't always broadcast publicly. Part of the work I do is individual coaching for clients navigating career changes. And in those sessions, we tend to get into a lot of other topics that go beyond career like personal insecurities, lifelong struggles, family tensions, self-image, even kids. And it's interesting because I sometimes catch myself in these sessions listening to a client describe an issue, but realizing that I'm struggling with the exact same thing. But in that moment, I have to put on a very professional, objective, reassuring face to try to help them sort through it. I actually have a lot of insecurities that I just don't open up about unless I'm probed. For example, I'm here in the Bay Area right now, which used to be my home nine years ago before I moved to London. And whenever I come back here to San Francisco, no matter how good I feel my life is in the UK, I always find myself reflecting on what my life could have been like if I'd just stayed here. Just yesterday, I had lunch at Dropbox with a friend of mine who now works there, and then met up with Chriselle Hartson Hurley, the teacher turned engineer we featured in episode 23 back in August 2017. Now, Dropbox is a company I really admire, and their offices and the people there are really impressive. So I did what I often do whenever I walk into the office of a cool brand or respected company and kind of idealize what it would be like if I worked somewhere like that. So yeah, 
As I was sitting there in the lobby, a few blocks from where I used to live in the heart of San Francisco, I was definitely thinking about how my professional life might have turned out if I had ended up at one of these exciting high-growth tech companies, which I had started to explore at that point in my career when I left the Bay Area in 2010. I'd say that overall, I'm actually really happy with my life and my career right now. And I really like the balance I have between work and family life. But more often than not, there are things I'm still wrestling with in the background. Here's just a quick laundry list of the things I'm struggling with at this very moment, all of which are first world problems, but I'll go ahead and share them anyway. Quite a bit of burnout, balancing parenthood with my professional work demands, trying to fit a full week of work into four days because I look after my daughter on most Tuesdays, which I really enjoy, but creates a lot of work pressure for me. Some health concerns, nothing serious, but enough to warrant me keeping an eye on a couple things. Feeling like some of my friendships are kind of fizzling out. Maybe this is happening because I'm now in my 40s or friends are now more inwardly consumed with their own kids, careers, and families. I've also found it harder to maintain some of the strong connections I once had with people back in the U.S. now that I've been in the U.K. for nearly a decade. I struggle with whether I'm doing enough for the various people in my family, whether I can or should give more, even though I feel like I'm barely treading water at times and don't often do things for myself. And I also constantly question the state of my business, whether I'm investing my time into the right things, whether my business is growing in the way I want it to, and whether I'm working with the right clients on the right projects at the right rates. And I'm not sharing these things with you right now because I'm especially down or feeling bad about these things, but because I've gotten to a point in my career where I actually feel comfortable sharing the imperfections and vulnerabilities I have in my own life with others. And I hope hearing some of these things I'm struggling with can remind you that, especially if you're struggling with similar things, you're not alone. I actually spoke at a women's conference last month, and there was a really poignant session during the conference where someone would get up in front of the audience for two minutes to share what she was really struggling with at that moment. And multiple people talked about being at a breaking point, balancing work with parenthood, questioning whether they were ambitious or successful enough being emotionally exhausted from the demands in their lives, or dealing with really difficult managers or coworkers. And I wouldn't go so far as to say I was actually happy to hear other people struggling, but I did find it oddly comforting to know that the problems you may think are unique to you aren't actually unique to you. It's a nice reminder that you're normal, that you're not doing something drastically wrong, that you've not made poor choices, that you're actually just going through the very natural ups and downs of any career journey. From the very moment this podcast started three years ago, one of the things I've tried to do is to normalize the emotional roller coaster you may be feeling when you're in the process of considering a major career change. And also to remind you that careers are just complicated sometimes. So it's worth investing the energy into getting it right. But that process of figuring things out can feel intense, confusing, and overwhelming at times. Which takes me to the final point I want to make here about what Sophie said about the importance of taking the time you need to recuperate and recalibrate. And that is exactly what I'm doing here in San Francisco. I'm catching up with some old friends and just going to eat some good food at some of my favorite places because they both have a way of rejuvenating and regrounding me. 
I hope you'll do the same this holiday season to grant yourself some time to do whatever you need to regain your energy so you can get 2020 off to a great start. This takes me to a quote from Banksy that Sophie mentioned during our chat. If you get tired, learn to rest and not to quit. So my challenge to you as you wrap up this year is to just acknowledge to yourself that the struggles you're going through may not have to do with a bad choice you've made or approach you've chosen or skill you haven't developed or talent you don't possess. But rather, that your struggle may just be a very normal part of the situation you're in, a struggle that many other people would also have if they were in a similar situation. I'd like you to cut yourself some slack. And to remind yourself you're human, You're doing the best you can with the resources and energy you have, and that's all you can do. But if you need a boost, or if you need support, to go ahead and take that step to ask for help from a friend, mentor, or professional who can help you sort through it. If there's something specific you're struggling with in your career and you're not sure where to turn, feel free to drop me a note at joseph at careerrelaunch.net and I'll try to point you to a relevant resource or podcast episode on this show you may find helpful. Also, be sure to check out Balance Magazine. I actually brought an issue with me to flip through on the flight over here and I found some really useful articles about goal setting, well-being, and even some tips on how to relax. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to learn more about Balance Magazine or our guest, Sophie Scott, just go to careerrelaunch.net slash 69, where you can also find highlights from our discussion today. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 69. As I mentioned in the fall, now that we've come to the end of the year, I'm going to be taking a break from this podcast for at least a little while so I can devote my energies to a new project I'm working on, but will return in early 2020 to at least share some of my key takeaways from some past episodes that I hope can help you get your career moving in the right direction during the upcoming decade. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a very special thanks to Sophie Scott for sharing her career story with us today from London. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington. Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday season. Have a great new year. I'm Joseph Liu and I'll see you in 2020.